0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple Podcasts, and at Holy Land Pod is where you can find us on the internet. My name is Colton Denning. I am your host, and as always, I am joined by my buddy and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, have you deleted any text from your phone lately?
1: Um... I think I deleted it. I got like a spam text from like a job fair thing um, So yes, I, I, I did that but um, There there does seem to be how do old
0: people not know how to delete text from man. It's photos? not that hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I Think generally I, I'm not I'm not looking at it right now But usually don't you just like swipe to the left on it and there's like a big delete button
0: also I feel like if I were an administrator of some sorts that's the last thing i would be putting out vocally into the universe is asking other people how to delete my text (laughs) messages when there's google (laughs) right there for me like after seeing everything else that's gone on in college sports and in business but i guess don't don't do the stupid things. I
1: think it's also illegal, right? If you're like a state employee to delete texts off of, yeah, pretty cool. So what we're talking about for for those who don't know, um, there was a report a couple minutes ago. It looks like as we're recording it about two on uh, Wednesday, there was a report from the Washington or from the uh, the Wall Street Journal. It says, uh, Ohio State Football Probe didn't attempt to recover deleted tweets. Um, Athletic Director Gene Smith had practice of deleting tweets in possible violation of state law. Um, So that's pretty cool and good, (laughs) what we've got going on here. Um, So it seems like Ohio State is just generally kind of unaware of how to use social media or phones or really any technology at all. And just generally inept, so that's that's good and encouraging.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, you know, we'll see if it's true, and we'll see how how much longer this goes on, and how how many other things can possibly. How many mistakes pop do they
1: possibly make with,
0: <laughs> with this? So that that's something we'll just we'll be monitoring, and, and it'll be interesting to uh to to see. But I I don't know. It just seems like there's so much ineptness when it came to this whole story where I think regardless of whether these these things happened or not or this specific thing happened or not it's just believable because there's so many other things that were just failures and like Newsflash to all administrators slash coach it, coaches: Don't use the university phone. Use the burner. Get a burner. Like, how hard is it? Yeah, but I mean. something to to be monitored, and and we'll see. Um, I, I don't think Gene Smith is going to be Ohio State's athletic director for the uh, for the long term future here. So we will see about that. But in terms of Ohio State football, in this episode, we are here to preview. The Buckeyes' upcoming game this Saturday with the Tulane Green Wave. And it'll be, we're already at week, what is this, week four? Yep. Already week four, season flying by. And there's really not a ton, I think, of analysis to get to in this game. But we'll talk about it and what you should watch and what we're expecting from this game. But before that, obviously the big news, other than I think what just came down, is Urban Meyer is back along the sidelines for his first time after being suspended, and he stepped in front of the media for the first time on Monday. Is there anything from that press conference that we want to discuss here?
1: I didn't I didn't watch the whole thing, because I, I don't really cover news at Land Grant Holy Land, and uh, I just didn't want to subject myself to that because um, Urban Meyer press conferences are generally uh, pretty bad to watch. But um, th- I did see some different quotes that came out of it. it. It seemed like he was pretty much just saying the same thing he had. I, I saw that he he contradicted something that he had said in his ESPN interview with uh, Tom Menaldi and um, that's not super surprising. But I, I didn't get a lot from it. It, it was pretty much just... Him saying that he um, was trying to be a marriage counselor, I guess it, it seems like domestic violence should be more of a um, more of an issue than just a marital issue in his mind. But whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't really have anything to add at this point. He's kind of broken us. <laughs> yeah, he really has, and I I just think that it's it's amazing how much bad advice he's gotten and how much he's dug in his jerry is out to get him (laughs) rather than just like i don't know rather than just be like listen like i made a mistake like that's really all this had to be and it wasn't and it's led to this whole thing and you know i i think whether what regardless of what people think about everything that happened and whatever you know quote unquote side you're on it's been an embarrassment and he's really tarnished his reputation Just off of how he's handled this whole thing. And it's wild that we're talking about a three time national championship winning head coach possibly being a distraction or probably being a distraction for this team and coming back. And he also did, he also got on the teleconference for the Big Ten, the usual Tuesday teleconference yesterday, and continued to talk about this and how it's all gone and how things you know, on the field are going to work. And I, I guess that's that's the main story with this Tulane game is how are things going to work? And I guess for Ohio State, the, the good news is that it's against one of these opponents and not like Penn State next week or another conference opponent. But I, I thought the most interesting thing that he had to say this week regarding on-field stuff was about the offense and his role going forward. And he said, quote, I think Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day have done such a great job, and I'll be more of a game manager. Obviously, I'll be involved, but I'm more of a game manager at this point. I think the only thing I have to say to that is, one, hallelujah, and <laughs> <Thank> two, <God. laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I think right now it has to be taken at face value because it is easy to, I think, say that before playing Tulane, and it'll be easy to see that when you're beating up on a team like Tulane. But when the game is tied in the fourth quarter – in Happy Valley, and you have a quarterback who's a first-time starter in there. Maybe that'll be a different story. I don't know. I I think we've we've heard that before, and we've heard that things with the offense were going to change, and I think that there's been some very positive things in the first three weeks of the season, and there will probably be a lot of positive things on Saturday, but the measuring stick really is going to be penn state next week so at this point you just kind of take it for what it is
1: yeah i mean i i certainly I, I think that he'll probably stay true to the game manager thing in the this upcoming game um penn state i'm not super confident in that um like you said if that game's close late uh it, it feels like urban meyer is like gonna steal the um <laughs> the 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 headsets from ryan day and kevin wilson and call 17 consecutive quarterback draws or something and ohio state loses by three but it it is weird to say about a coach that's won three national titles and a coach that is generally regarded as probably the second best coach in college football right now behind nick saban i think that would be fair second or third
0: yeah, i think second for sure yeah
1: i, I mean maybe Maybe if Dabo wins another one, he'd be up there. But Urban is probably second right now. Um, It feels weird to say that him being, not being less of a coach, doing less coaching (laughs) is a good thing. Um, But I think in-game, when it comes to running this offense and being involved, I think Urban Meyer just kind of being there um, and being like a, a calming force in the locker room at halftime or um, a calming force on the, the sideline during games is much more valuable than Urban Meyer trying to call plays because I really don't think he knows how to do it anymore. I, I don't think that he is... I don't think he's up with what modern offenses look like, uh, at least not as much as he likes to think he is. He's not an innovator anymore. He he really... He used to be. He was a big reason that the spread offense became so popular, but that's not what teams are really running anymore. It's a, it's a brand-new... It's a brand-new system, essentially. It looks similar, but the way things are done is completely different now from what it was when Urban Meyer was calling offenses, even at the beginning of his tenure here at Ohio State. I think getting out of the way and letting a guy like Ryan Day, a guy like Kevin Wilson, who are still on the not quite the cutting edge but pretty near the cutting edge of offensive innovation, is probably a good idea because we've seen what an Urban Meyer-led offense looks like and Ohio State lost to Michigan State in 2015 with that offense, you know. And that, that was a 2015 team that was probably the most talented in school history. And that offense sucked. So I, I think that the less Urban Meyer play calling, the less Urban Meyer in-game coaching, the better at this point.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I don't think that that's a, a knock on him. He's like, a great wait, recruiter. Wait, wait. I,
1: I think that he still has value. It's just not in-game.
0: <laughs> we just mentioned Dabo Swinney in one of his... Like the main things people talk about him and praise him for is he just gets out of the way. Like, and that's not a knock. He knows the strengths of his organization and he knows the strengths and weaknesses of himself. And Clemson has made a lot of really good hires, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And he's been that sort of manager and that emotional leader. And I think that that's Urban Meyer's biggest strength and kind of always has been, even dating back to his times at at Florida when he had Dan Mullen as his offensive coordinator and he's you know been he was on that edge of offensive innovation then but like you said the game has changed and i think comments like he made on Tuesday are very encouraging but like we said earlier we'll just have to see it in a situation where they really need it because it, that's been said before and things haven't really played out that way so something to look at going forward is Ohio State Gets ready for the Penn State game after this one and then into the heart of conference play. Other news and notes heading into this Tulane game. Nick Bosa isn't going to play with that ab slash groin injury. Jonathan Cooper and Deshaun Cornell are going to play at that spot. It looks like Tuff Borland is back to being the full-time starter, middle linebacker off of the depth chart that Ohio State released for this game and not too many other notable things, I think. Demario McCall was listed on top as the punt returner. Yay.
1: (laughs) For the fourth straight week. (laughs) We're going to talk about this every week.
0: How do you list the guy as the starter and then he's not out there for the first punt? Well,
1: they keep doing it as or. I, I don't think it really matters who's listed on top when it comes to the or. It's bullshit is what yeah. it is.
0: That's that's how I feel. That's All right, so getting getting into this game in particular, what is there anything like you're looking for that Ohio State can do, can improve on, that Tulane poses a threat for? What's, what's your read on this game?
1: Um, Tulane's offense is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> it hasn't been particularly good this season. It doesn't look like looking at their first three games, um, they're one and two coming into this game. They played a, a really fun uh first week game against Wake Forest. That that might have actually been a week zero game. I don't. I don't. Know. No, it was a, it was a week one game. Um, they played a really fun game against Wake Forest that went into overtime. They lost that. They beat beat Nickel State really easily in week two, and then they just lost to UAB, which is kind of surprising because UAB is I mean they're okay I don't I don't think UAB is particularly good but um for for those who are not aware of uh, Willie Fritz and the offense that he runs it's it's kind of a not Chip Kelly's style, but it, it's kind of a like a spread option look. They do a lot of pistol stuff. It, it's it's essentially the closest thing you can get to a triple option without running the wishbone. It's fun to watch. They they didn't actually have a lot of success running last year, uh, which is kind of weird when you run a system like that. But Jonathan Banks, their quarterback, is fast. He's pretty good. He has not had a good year so far. But running back Darius Bradwell is, is pretty good. I, I think they, they have the, the talent to at least give Ohio State's defense some issues. They're they're the kind of fast and they run the kind of system that has given Ohio State trouble early on in this season. I I really don't expect this to be super close, but there could be a couple big plays cuz that's kind of what Tulane is really good at. So it'll be an interesting test for the the outside of the Buckeye defense and the the safeties and linebackers specifically.
0: Yeah, Tulane's been one of the most explosive teams in the country on the ground and through the air and Banks is averaging 17.6 yards per completion on only a 48% completion rate. So not a lot of passes. It's
1: either going to hit or it's going to, I mean, if it hits, it's going to hit like 30 yards. If it misses, it might be an interception.
0: (laughs) The biggest thing for this defense is just going to be the discipline on, like we saw in the army game last year, run, 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 chewing up first downs, run, 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 pass, run, and not getting caught out of position looking in the backfield. And it's safe to assume that they're going to rip off a couple big plays. That's just how these type of offenses work. And Ohio State has a penchant for giving up those big plays. So I'm interested to see how Greg Schiano and the rest of the defensive staff scheme up against what Tulane is going to do and how the safety play is going to be. Because at least off the depth chart, Isaiah Pryor or Ja'Shawn Went is going to get a lot of time at that safety position. I don't know if I believe that, and we'll see more of Sean Wade or whoever at that safety position instead. This obviously isn't a game where Ohio State's going to run a lot of nickel. There isn't going to be five defensive backs on the field a ton, but looking for more discipline out of those guys and to see if they can kind of quell the big play problems. And I do think that if they do, That'll be very encouraging because like we said, that's kind of two lanes, bread and butter. So if they're able to stop that, I do think that there are tangible takeaways from the defense if they're able to do that.
1: Are we officially on board the Sean Wade starting safety train or are we um, are we on for that or do we want him to remain at cornerback?
0: I think I'm on it because best players on the field and we talked about his awareness and just looking sound as a football player and I think that that's one of the more important things to have as a free safety. Sean Wade knows how to get to the ball not only when it's in the air but just on the ground. I think he knows where he's going and what we said last week was that the game for those guys prior and went still looks like it's going too fast. The game doesn't look like it's going fast to Wade and to have that in a free safety I think is crucial and we saw that with a guy like Malik Hooker. I don't think that anybody on this roster is as good as him, but just having a guy that knows what's going on is important. So, I think you just try to get your best guys out on the field and if that means Sean Wade being in there at free safety then so be it. Let's let's do it.
1: Yeah, I I think I agree with that. With the, you know, the struggles that Prior and Went have had um early on this season when you're playing a team like this, it's it's kind of an experimental game. Uh you can really has some things out uh, I don't think Ohio State's going to do that just because um, they, they don't want to lose on, <laughs> on accident they don't want to screw up and accidentally lose but I would like to see some Sean Wade at safety I'd like to see some Jeffrey Okuda at safety what I would really like to see and we've talked about this on the last couple um, recap podcasts is uh, Justin Hilliard playing linebacker but I don't think we're going to see that until the second half for whatever reason I'm not sure why they're so high on the linebackers that they have right now, um, but uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of depth in the second half. As you mentioned, Nick Bosa is out this game. Um, it seems like Robert Landers was a little banged up too, if I remember correctly. He was probable, but this could be the depth chart special kind of game where you're you're seeing a lot of guys who we really haven't seen much of this season. That's saying a lot because this team's played some really some really bad teams. But I do think we could see quite a bit of depth in this game specifically on the defensive side of the ball And that's that's exciting. I don't think that this one's going to stay close for very long just looking at Tulane's defense But I am interested to see how Ohio State can handle the you know One of the more explosive offenses in the country even if this offense really doesn't have the um, the Talent to keep up with Ohio State in what would be what would have to be a shootout if Tulane wanted to keep it close um, so uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a, a decent test for the defense, um, especially with a, a pretty similar team, at least in terms of the approach that they take in Penn State coming up. Both teams really like to, to make big plays and uh, don't really care about the ones in between that aren't big plays.
0: We're going to see a ton of young guys, particularly on that defensive line, Tyreek Smith, Tommy Togiai, Haskell Garrett, some of those other dudes, especially with the way that Tulane likes to block and that, that cut blocking style of that triple option and just not wanting any of those linemen to be hurt. in the, those first two waves coming up against Penn state and the rest of the season. So I think pretty early on, you're going to see a heavy rotation along the front seven of Ohio state's defense back to uh Wade in the secondary real quick. We think he's a better corner than a safety, right? Like at least based off of what we know now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that. Yeah.
0: And something to watch out for and we don't really have to dive into now is I think that we we've talked about before this staff kind of has a nasty habit of playing older players just because they don't want to hurt feelings I think over younger players who are better Sean Wade is at least better than one of those corners that is starting or in the top three, maybe better than two of the top three Mm -hmm. right now. And I think the only reason he's not playing is because he's younger. So something to watch out for. But I do think that that's a thing for this staff, not only on defense, but on offense as well. But I I don't think we're going to see a lot of high... Name guys playing a lot of football this week.
1: Yeah, I, um, th- I think to, to say that Sean Wade isn't starting because of um, maybe an older guy <clears throat> in front of him would, would be pretty fair. I think we both know which older guy we're talking about, but um, not going not gonna to actively antagonize any Buckeye players on this podcast, maybe the next one. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think we'll probably see quite a few freshmen in this game with that you know four games played and you can still redshirt rule is, is going to come into play here. And um, I, would, I would really like to see a lot of this class. We, we really haven't seen as much of the 2018 class so far as I thought we would. Um, you mentioned some of the guys on the defensive line that, that could be interesting. Um, I want to see Jalen Gill on offense. I'm, I'm really interested in his play style. Um, I, I think he could be kind of the next Curtis Samuel at Ohio State. Um, I want to see Jalen Harris, who's not a younger guy, but we really haven't seen much of him this year. Um, there, there, are, there are plenty of players on this team to be intrigued by. Um, I'm interested to see if we see any Brian Snead. I know that he didn't travel last week because of some, I think it was referred to as disciplinary issues, was, was what I saw. So uh, I'm kind of interested in, in what exactly that means and what that means for Brian Snead's future. But it, it should be... If nothing else, it should be an interesting game to see what Ohio State's future might look like. And there is value in that, even if it's not going to be a particularly close game. And I, I don't think we'll see more than a half from the starters, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's good to get these guys on the field and get these guys playing time. That's how Ohio State is continuously so good every year is because they can get these young guys playing time. So often throughout the season.
0: I want that law firm Sneed and T. Get <laughs> many carries this week. We're gonna see a lot of Tate Martell. We usually we set the over under, over a hundred rushing yards.
1: I'm gonna go under. He really hasn't been running much this year, so I'm I'm gonna stick to to under right now. And hopefully he he proves us wrong. But I I really, I don't think that they're running him much because they know that if he gets hurt, they're in a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point that. If he does go down, then yeah, there's there's not a lot of options. That that Chuganov Hive is not very, mm-hmm. uh it's not at its full occupancy yet, and I don't think we ever want it to be. <laughs> uh, on the rest of the offense, probably see a lot more. I think I guess different offensive line combinations. I don't think this O line needs to play a lot this week. It would be great to see some of the younger younger guys, Nicholas Petit Friere, uh, in general. Just lost his black stripe congratulations for him finally i guess being an ohio state football player (laughs) if that's how since that's how they want to word it i guess but i I think like you said guys like jalen harris and just other offensive skill guys that's that's the the main thing from from this one i think we can take away and just keeping dudes healthy on both sides of the ball
1: yeah for sure I, i i'd like to see maybe a little bit of brady taylor in the second half at center just to see what his snaps look like uh, we we talked about that on the the recap podcast for the TCU game that um, Michael Jordan was struggling with you know, with his snaps a little bit, but I, I expect that that'll probably get better as the season goes on. But I still would like to see some Brady Taylor because he was the he was the presumed center starter for pretty much the entire off season, and I'm I'm interested one in why that changed and what was <laughs> what he was doing that was so bad at the the late. Stages of this off season that caused him to lose that job, um, and I'm interested to see just what he looks like. But um, yeah, in general, it'll be a good game for for learning about what the future of Ohio State football looks like. I, I don't think it's going to be a particularly good game for learning what the current Ohio State football team looks like. I, I think we kind of, I think we kind of know at this point what this team looks like, and we really won't learn more until like next week when they play Penn State or. Further down the road against like Michigan State and and Michigan.
0: Yeah, what a thirty seven point spread. What are you what are you thinking? Ohio State cover. Man, that
1: that feels extreme. I I didn't realize it was that high. I think that's higher than the the Oregon State spread.
0: I think that that one was thirty eight. So it's right. It's right there. I
1: think Tulane's better than Oregon State. Um, I'm not sure if they're. I feel like they're more than one point better. But Ohio State covered that Oregon State spread pretty. Easily. Um, I guess I'd take it. I, I think I'd take Ohio State to cover. They they've really been blowing bad teams out, so I don't think Tulane is an awful team or anything, but I, I do think that they um I, I think that they could they could keep it a little bit closer, but I don't think that they'll be able to to keep the cover from happening so i think ohio state probably covers here
0: i don't know if tulane is better than oregon state but i think the way they play matches up better than what oregon state was doing mm-hmm. against ohio state so i think like 42 to 10 i i think the main literally the main thing from this game is just getting out of it healthy there's yeah. really no reason for ohio state to leave the starters in they don't need reps like they did in week one in that game against oregon state They don't really need to risk anything. You kind of know who your guys are on offense at this point. J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber don't need the ball beyond like midway through the second quarter in this game. So you can cycle out all those wide receivers too. And I don't think that this is a game where they're really going to try to show off. Like if you look at Alabama, there's always those games you see where they're playing like Charleston Southern and they win like 35 to nothing. And you're just like, couldn't Alabama score a <laughs> hundred? But the point is, is like, there's no reason to in games like this. And Tulane isn't, you know, on that level of being bad and they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit, but I, I just don't think that we're going to see Ohio state really go for the jugular in this one.
1: I'm going to go 62, 24. I think Ohio state's going to score Damn. a ton of points on a really okay. bad defense. But I also think that Tulane is probably going to get some shots in, especially on the second team. Defense which I'm guessing they'll see pretty early. I think it's gonna be like like a 42 14 situation at halftime and Ohio State's gonna pull their starters and Tulane gets um, Gets a couple big plays in the second half, but the Ohio State's backups are able to, to kind of put on a show against a really bad defense so that would be that would technically cover that would cover by one point and um, I don't know what the over under is here but I'm I'm pretty sure that that would hit as well, so yeah I'll I'll, I'll go 62 24 I wouldn't be surprised if Tulane was was held under 24 but I I also wouldn't put it past this defense to to allow that many points.
0: Yeah, I, listen, anytime you can score 60 plus, I'm I'm always <laughs> on board with that. Uh, looking around at other games this week, are, are there any that you're really Really excited for any of the top teams gonna fall this week.
1: I gotta pull up LSUfootball.net, which is the only schedule website that matters. Um, Florida Atlantic UCF on Friday is pretty interesting to me. Uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, I'm I'm not as far up on the the lane train as I was uh, the beginning of this season before they got smacked by Oklahoma, but UCF's really good. I think FAU is still really good, so that one should be a fun Friday night game staying with friday washington state usc should be interesting i i don't think usc's any good but i'm not super sure if is any good either so that one could be kind of messy Is
0: clay helton gonna be usc's coach on sunday
1: <sighs> yeah yeah I, I don't think they're gonna fire him until the end of the season if they do fire him at all uh i wouldn't be surprised if uh maybe Ohio State fans need to be looking out for that job because their offensive coordinator might take it, but Washington State USC might be interesting Um, if anyone really likes like very specific niche styles of football Harvard Brown (laughs) at at seven on Friday would be kind of fun because Ivy League offenses are really cool and they're really innovative a lot of those Northeastern teams run. Like the most advanced version of RPO style spread offenses that uh, you can find in football, so those games are usually worth watching. Uh, Penn State's gonna crush Illinois, so so Friday is Friday has some intrigue. I think Friday is more interesting than it has been so far this season, so I'm I'm pretty excited for that. I
0: have to stay on brand here. Clemson's losing to Georgia Tech. Oh, they're on the road in Bobby Dodd Stadium playing that triple option. Georgia Tech's offense looked really exciting last week i think did they lose to pit are they one and two yeah
1: i no wait did they lose the pit i was gonna watch that game but i didn't um let me look and see if yeah because Pitt's, yeah, Pitt's yeah, two and one yikes
0: hey so that that gives me even more incentive this is what georgia <laughs> tech does they lose the usf and they lose to Pitt and they beat clemson at home these are the type of games that clemson loses so yeah yeah, i'm calling it right now and if it doesn't happen every single week i am calling clemson (laughs) until it happens i'm sticking to my brand i will not be owned online uh staying in the acc florida state is appointment television for me right now i really love watching teams like that (laughs) 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 struggle they're gonna lose to northern illinois northern illinois has i think a relatively good defense and if you have literally anybody with any sort of pass rushing move you could probably pick up a sack on that Florida State offensive line. So I'm just excited to watch FSU crumble. They look terrible against Syracuse, and I can't wait to see that again. And Wisconsin at Iowa. This is an interesting game to me because after this one, Iowa's schedule is at Minnesota, at Indiana, Maryland at home, at Penn State, at Purdue, Northwestern, at Illinois, and Nebraska. Other than that Penn State game, that's man, they could literally yeah. win all of those games. So if they beat Wisconsin, I think that they kind of have to be the favorite in the West, and you know that would only be Wisconsin's first Big Ten loss, so it wouldn't knock them out. It would for sure knock them out of the playoff, which they already
1: are. You're, you're oh yeah, no, Wisconsin's goal. not. I, I like saw some a of loss. their players.
0: <laughs> I saw some of their players who were like, "The goal remains the same. Like, sorry, bro, you no, lose no, to but... BYU and you Wisconsin, like." You are not making it. There were people that were like, hey, Wisconsin goes undefeated last year. Let's keep them out. So I I think (laughs) that they're done anyway. But sneaky to watch Iowa. Got to keep an eye on them. And then if you really just want some ugly football, Florida at Tennessee, that is going to be an atrocious game. (laughs) Uh, And then just like the complete opposite of that game, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State's defense is, is better, and they looked really impressive against Boise State. But we could have a lot of points in that one. So not a ton of, I think high level games this week, but a lot of uh, fun ones.
1: Yeah, I have a before I jump into my games, I have a hot take on Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, more so on Texas Tech than Oklahoma State, although Oklahoma State is guilty of this too. Um, after three years of, of having to to watch the Big 12 pretty closely because I've, I've been covering the conference, um, I think I hate the air rate. I think it's bad. I think it's a bad system. <laughs>
0: I, I don't mind that take. I enjoy watching the football be thrown around like that. But I think the novelty and the craziness of it has kind of yeah worn off, and it's just like
1: it, it's just annoying. It is what it is at
0: this point. <laughs> just throwing the ball sixty, seventy times a game. I
1: it, I think I'm just I'm frustrated by it because like I've seen Texas Tech's recruiting. Um, and how awful it is. I mean, they landed like eight receivers last year, and they have like 30 receivers on their roster already, and their line sucks so bad. Um, I, I think I'm, I'll watch that game because I, I like it when games get pointsy, but Texas Tech is, is generally pretty bad to watch. Looking at the, uh, the noon slate, it's not super interesting. There's not a ton of games on here that I, I think I'll be watching too closely. Um, Boston College, Purdue is sneaky good. Boston College's offense is actually pretty good now. Purdue's offense is pretty good now. Neither team, I, I don't think, is uh, actually very good. Purdue is going to be zero and four probably because Boston College. I is, think
0: BC is pretty good. Yeah, I think I think Boston I like College what is I legitimately good. Their
1: their defense is solid. Uh, AJ Dillon's awesome. Their uh, their quarterback, whose name escapes me right now, I think it's like AJ Brown or something. Um, he he's good. He He's legitimately good. He's not just Boston College good. Uh, so that game might be pretty interesting. Buffalo's going to beat Rutgers at Rutgers. Um, Georgia's going to beat the crap out of Missouri. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that that one's going to be very close. That feels like the South Carolina-Georgia game a couple weeks ago where people were convincing themselves, like, well, South Carolina might keep it close. No. Georgia's going to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> Nebraska's going to lose to Michigan by 500 points. Ooh. Ooh,
0: that offensive line against what Michigan has up front yeah. is going to be so, so ugly. But if that's like a 7 nothing game at halftime, I also wouldn't be surprised. Nobody talked about it because the Big Ten got owned so hard this past weekend. Michigan looked terrible yeah. in that you first mem- half against, you remember against SMU.
1: When we were doing the preview pod and I said, hey, that might be the kind of game where at halftime we're like, hey, Michigan's tied with SMU, 7-7. I think they were. Yeah, that, that well,
0: they were they were up 14-7 and SMU was driving, and then they threw a pick, just an awful, awful pick six with like 10 seconds left in the half, and that really changed the complexion of the game. I don't think there was any chance that SMU was ever going to win, but their offense, I think, has looked fine. Shea Patterson has only thrown the ball like 34 total times. The last couple of weeks combined, but he's completed like 85% of his passes, but their defense doesn't look as strong as I think a lot of people thought it was outside of the defensive line. So that that's something to keep an eye on because I, I'm surprised that Michigan's defense has been as leaky as it has been so far this season.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that that one could be kind of interesting. I'm really not super sold on Michigan to this point. Uh, Speaking of teams that I'm not super sold on, Notre Dame is going to Wake Forest. That one might be kind of scary for them because I'm not sure if Notre Dame is going to win a single game this year by more than seven points.
0: (laughs) Very on brand. Yeah,
1: that that one is rough. Um. Looking through, you mentioned Clemson, Georgia Tech. I think that one should be okay. I'm, I'm not sure if Georgia Tech's any good this year, but I'm also not super sold on Clemson. Um, Kansas is about to be three and one as they go to Baylor. Um, Texas A&M at Alabama is, I think, one of the more interesting games this week. That's a that's a, a CBS 3:30 game, and so that'll be like an NFL game essentially. We talked about that last week. But Texas A&M seems to actually be pretty good. They looked really good against Clemson. Alabama is still going to win that game by, like, 30 points. But it could be at least a little bit interesting to watch. Um, TCU-Texas, I'm concerned about Texas. I'm concerned about Texas in that game. <laughs> yeah, I think TCU has a strong bounce back. Yeah, I'm not sure if Texas' de- Texas's defense is good enough to keep that one even Really particularly close. Um, if you want to pay eighty dollars to watch Army at Oklahoma, you can do that because that game is on pay-per-view for some
0: reason. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think that anyone is is dumb enough to do that. I don't think that they, <laughs> I don't think a single person's gonna watch that game. Michigan State at Indiana. Indiana's actually secretly pretty good this year, uh, so Indiana might legitimately win that game. I'm I'm really not not super high on michigan state right now and indiana is one of the better teams in the big 10 east which is just wild uh stanford at oregon is the game day game that's on abc at eight i think stanford's gonna crush them i i'm really i'm not sure why this is the game day game or why Oregon is even ranked but um i i think stanford's gonna win that game by a bunch of points um arizona state at washington is the One of the 12-after-dark games, Herm looks to bounce back against a really good Washington team, a a Washington team that I think is pretty underrated somehow. Seems like that's the case every single year, but that game should be at least kind of fun, good defenses in that one, and um, Hawaii is playing at midnight, so if anyone wants to watch Hawaii at midnight, they could probably do that. I don't think I would recommend it, because I think they're going to win by a lot, but... um, Pretty decent slate, not a super top-heavy slate this week. The, the best games are generally, they they might be blowouts. Uh, I, I don't see a ton of games on here that are going to be heavyweight fights, but there could be some, some interesting upsets. There could be, uh, you mentioned Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. I think there's some upset potential there. It, it could be a, an interesting week. It could be kind of one of a weirder, week but um not really filled with with powerhouse games but that's that's fine i I don't think i'm really upset about that at this point
0: yeah quietest weeks usually are the most sneaky and that's where some stuff tends to happen so we'll keep an eye out on all that stuff and have a recap of not only that but ohio state's game with tulane coming up after the game on sunday That'll wrap up today's show. Make sure to visit SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can find all of Patrick and I's work on LandGrantHolyLand.com and at LandGrant33 on Twitter. You can follow Patrick on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn and follow me at Dubsco. You got anything else, ma'am?
1: Um, it looks like Jeff Snook just posted something on Facebook, so that's, uh, that's good. Certainly nothing will come of that. This is, that's
0: a, that is the best place to wrap up and know <laughs> that we have reached the limit for this podcast. So until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning, and this is The Hangout in the Holy Land.